He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. 1 Peter 1, verse 20 Welcome to Canaanbaum Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. This podcast is a compilation of resources shared by pastors serving the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, The Wells, along with music by various artists who support our teaching. I'm Tom Barthel, serving as pastor at Trinity Lutheran, a Wells congregation in Nina, Wisconsin, serving as your host for this episode. This is episode number 115. We continue now with 1 Peter with a message shared by Pastor Mark Falk. 1 Peter 1, 20-21, The Lamb without defect is the Lamb chosen before creation. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. NIV 2014 You have heard or read uh, that in the scripture that the God is love. Not God is loving, love. As far as I can recall, no other attribute of God is presented in just this way. God is just, not justice. God is eternal, not eternity. Omnipotent, not omnipotence. Now we could have a theological discussion on whether we could say that God is justice, for example. But I just don't think God has said that about himself. I'll wait for an email to correct me if I'm in error. God is love. That is an awesome truth. But we may not fully grasp the immensity of it. These words of Peter put meat on the bones, if you will. Christians have often wondered about, and unbelievers have often scoffed, at a God who could have prevented sin, but did not. The discussion of that question is deep water, too deep for us today. But notice this. The lamb to be slain on Good Friday and sprinkle the holy blood of God all over my sins. That lamb was chosen before creation in eternity. God always knew what would happen. Still in love and power he created a world and two human beings to live in it. Every human who is still alive and still born is the direct result of his continuing loving work of creation. It is absolute cynicism, unworthy of any believer, to say it would be better if I had never been born. In a weak moment, Job expressed just this thought, but Job was wrong. And God proved him wrong as he restored his fortunes, forgave his sin, and most of all, renewed his saving faith. But if it is a conundrum for me to fathom God's eternal counsel in creating a world where sin could happen, It is absolutely awe-inspiring to grasp this, knowing what would happen, knowing Eve's lustful eye and Adam's failed leadership, and all my sins past and present. God formed a plan that should always remain the center of our attention. Forget trying to unscrew the inscrutable. Look at your Savior bleeding and dying and forgiving the evil sinner next to him and paying for the sins of all sinners of all time. This is God. God is love. 
And then remember this, in all eternity, however it is that the eternal Son experiences this, for eternity, timelessness is another mystery above our pay grade, the Trinity planned for the redemption of the human race. The Lamb knew who he was and what he would suffer. Such a burden would crush any of us far before the event. But Jesus agreed to the plan, was born of the Virgin for just this purpose, and lived a life of 33 years with the end always clearly in sight. God is love and chose the Lamb to pay for your sinful heart long before that heart began to beat. And the Lamb never once shrunk from the task before him. Before creation, this is when it was all planned. This song is shared by a group called Cross to Glory. It's called Plan for You. I have a plan for you. I know the plans that I have for you.
next to Tell the Story, shared by Pastor Luke Italiano. What's your name? The man with the white beard doesn't look impressed. Benjamin answers, Benjamin! And you were blind? Yes, sir. Born blind. And now you can see? Yeah. How did that happen? And Benjamin answers, this, this Jesus, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and now I can see. And when did this happen? Yesterday, the Sabbath. And the man with the white beard scowls. This man isn't from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. But someone on the other side of the room, Benjamin can't turn fast enough to see who it is, responds, How can a sinner do such miraculous signs? And they start arguing. Benjamin had thought this Jesus, and he didn't know anything about Jesus other than the healing. He would have thought that once he could see, things would get better. But things had only gotten worse. Now Benjamin was on trial for being healed. Finally, the room quiets down again, and the man with the white beard asks, What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And Benjamin replied, He's a prophet. They argued. They argued some more. And then they argued some more. And then they asked Benjamin to step out for a moment. And as he walked out of the Sanhedrin, out of this council, his parents passed him on the way in and refused to meet his eyes. Benjamin waited just a few minutes, and then his parents left the Sanhedrin. His father refused to answer him. His mother came and hugged him with shaking arms. She whispered into his ears, I'm sorry. And then they left. Benjamin was brought into the Sanhedrin again. The man with the white beard says, Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. And Benjamin shrugs. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. I was blind, and now I see. The white man asks, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Benjamin shakes his head. I've told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? <laughs> you want to become his disciples too? And the room erupts into insults. You are this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Benjamin answered, oh, That's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from. Yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listened to the godly man who doesn't who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. This man weren't from God. He could do nothing. And the man with the white beard shouts, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw Benjamin out. And as Benjamin wandered the dusty streets, he wondered if they were right. Was he full of sin? Is that why this happened? No. No, this Jesus had said that he hadn't sinned to cause his blindness. And neither had his parents. He wasn't steeped in sin at birth. At least, that wasn't the cause of his blindness. And if this Jesus had the power to heal him, well, 
he would trust that he had said the right thing. Benjamin sat down at the edge of the road. He didn't know where to go. And then a pair of sandals appeared in his field of vision, and a voice. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Benjamin shook his head. Who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. You've now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. And Benjamin's eyes shot up, and for the first time he saw Jesus. And it didn't matter that his parents had rejected him. It didn't matter that the Sanhedrin accused of be of him of being steeped in sin, because here was the one who had healed him, and that was all that mattered. And Benjamin praised him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Now, brothers, sisters, you would think that once Jesus had healed us, you would think that once he had brought us to faith, things would get better. But the truth is, that's the moment we become targets. But have no fear. Because the people that Jesus heals are the people he protects. And he has opened your eyes. And this story is true. Up next, we have God's Word for You, shared by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 38. Let's read verses 8 to 11. These next four verses are about the sea and its uh, set of doors, giving um, in, uh, given in God's questions um, some equally profound uh, answers. God tells us how the sea got here and also how the sea stays where it is. Verses 8 and 9. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped, its, and wrapped it in thick darkness? The first set of doors for the sea are the doors of its birth. The Lord uses the simple image of a baby bursting out of its mother's womb. The baby wrappings of the sea, the swaddling clothes, are the darkness brought on by heavy clouds. The Lord is telling us that he is in control of the sea and the maker of the sea and that the sea is here for our benefit as a useful tool as a barrier or curb to other nations and wild animals and as a reminder of God's law and gospel too. Luther said, How dearly we should love God whenever some evil afflicts us. For by that one evil, our most loving Father would want us to see how many evils would threaten and attack us if he himself did not stand in the way. It is as if he said, Satan and a host of evils have asked to sift you like wheat, but I have even been able to limit the sea as he says here in Job 38, verses 10 and 11. And this is in the middle of a, of a sentence, so I'll just continue reading. When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, and when I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. Which way does this image of its doors and bars face? Although it could be seen as a prison to keep the sea in its place, it's more natural to see these things as a defense to keep the sea from getting in. This far and no farther is what God says to the sea. And he has said the same thing to the devil as well. 
Satan is chained like a dangerous animal, but he has limits placed on him by God. We saw this in the very beginning of the book of Job, where the devil was given permission to strike at Job's possessions and his health, but God commanded the devil not to kill Job. This far you may come and no farther. And it's a comfort to know that God has hedged us in with his protection as well. Ah, A little more from Luther. This is surely the hand of the highest by which an angry man is prevented from doing what he has purposed. For God has the hearts of all men in his hand so that they cannot go beyond a fixed limit. It is just as is stated here in Job 38.11 concerning the limits imposed by God on the sea. Thus far you shall come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed or halt. To those who look at the sea when it is tossed by billows and storms, it seems to be threatening the shore as though about to burst through the borders by which it's enclosed and to overflow in all directions. By the pressure of the waters and billows is checked and kept within limits. So also the hearts of men rage in horrible fashion when inflamed by anger, but God has set up limits to fury and anger, which it is not permissible to cross. The same is evident in this example of Esau. And everywhere in the stories of the heathen, many other examples are extant which testify that human power and wisdom can never advance beyond the limit prescribed by God. That's from Luther's Works, Volume 6 on Genesis. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. And we'll close today with another song by Cross to Glory, Love Letter. Lying in bed, thinking about us all last night. I know things just haven't been going right. I know it's not how it should be. Lately it seems, it looks as if we've been growing apart And something tells me down in my heart That you're thinking of me I need you just as I always do You are the light and life inside of me I can't live without all you give And all the love you show to me It's really not you, it's me who's causing all the grief My doubt and faith and unbelief My lack of love toward you But without you, all I've gained would be the loss My very soul would be the cause For turning my back on you I know that I need you Just as I always do You are the light and life inside of me I can go on, no, I can't live without all you give and all the love you show to
just as I always do. You are the light and life inside of me. Oh, I can't go on, no, I can't live without all you give and all the love you show to who. In spite of me, you said you never left my side. My sin, my wrong, you reconciled. You came and forgave me. Thinking of me, you made me what I am today. Yourself, your life, you gave away. You did it all for me. Just as I always do You are the light and life inside of me I can go on, no, I can't live Without all you give And all the love you show to who me just as I always do. You are the light and life inside of me. I can go on, no, I can't. You give your life that perfect sacrifice, your cross for as I always do. You are the light and life inside of me. I can go on, no, I can't. You give your all you the perfect and all the loves You have been listening to Kanenbaum Podcast, episode number 115. This episode was first shared in November of 2016. For more information, visit kanenbaumpodcast.com. Learn how you can find out more information about Cross to Glory. We encourage you to visit a Wells ministry location nearest you. Visit wells.net. Thanks for joining us. And remember... His promised rest. Oh, that I need you just as I always do. You are the light and life inside of me. Oh, I can't go on, no, I can't live without all you give and all the love you show to who.